0: The future of supply chain is continued uncertainty, and uncertainty requires the ability to consider and account for risk. And I think as we take advantage of the emerging technologies, such as AI, our supply chain professionals will be better equipped to plan for probabilities rather than specific outcomes, allowing them to make more informed decisions regarding risk and the costs associated with the risk mitigation. Welcome to the Future of Supply
1: Chain podcast. My name is Richard Howells, and I'm the Vice President for Thought Leadership for SAP's ERP Finance and Supply Chain Solutions. And I'm joined by my wonderful co host, Nicole.
2: Hi, everyone. I'm Nicole Smythe, and I'm a blogger, podcaster, and marketer in the supply chain space here at SAP. So today we have an awesome episode ahead where we'll be talking to SAP's Jeff Brown about how supply chains are evolving what the supply chain planner of the future will be doing and the tools that they will need to be leveraging. So welcome, Jeff. Thank you so much for joining us here today. It's super great to have you on the series. So if you could just take a moment to introduce yourself, dive a bit into your background, and of course, what you do today at SAP.
0: Thanks for having me, Richard and Nicole. It's really hard for me to believe, but I've spent my entire professional career, which is now over 30 years in supply chain, I worked originally in industry as a supply chain planner for Siemens. After that, I spent some time in technology consulting, bouncing around with several best-of-breed supply chain solution providers before joining SAP in 2006. My role at SAP today is a leader in our digital supply chain center of excellence. Our team focuses on helping supply chain executives uncover business issues, right? It's very much about talking about business issues in supply chain and manufacturing. And really helping them determine not just the operational impact, but the financial impact on their business and ultimately provide a roadmap to help address those challenges that usually involves some form of business transformation, coupled with some sort of technology transformation.
1: It's unfathomable, I'm sure, for Nicole, because both you and I can say we've worked in the supply chain space for over 30 years. And let's just say Nicole can't say that. (laughs) You can thirty that, actually. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's a perfect topic, though, because what we want to do is talk about the supply chain planner of the future, and who better than somebody that's been working in the space for all his career to give us that input. But maybe we can set the scene, first of all, by discussing what are the challenges that you're seeing in supply chain planning today?
0: Yeah, that's been a, obviously a hot topic, is the evolution of what those challenges really look like. And certainly COVID-19 exposed a lot of those challenges in a very unique and focused way. You know, one of the things that was very top of mind prior to early 2020 was the idea of lean and lean journeys and taking costs out of supply chain and just in time and some of those key things. I mean, they've been on a lean journey since the days of Henry Ford and the development of the assembly line for mass production right? Repeatability, scalability, taking costs out, and so forth. And one of the things that I've seen over my 30 years is the evolution of many forms of isms and ologies that I like to call them. Things around lean manufacturing just in time, drum, buffer, rope, theory, constraints, so forth and so on. All great strategies and approaches and certainly created quite a bit of value to the organizations where they were successfully implemented. One of the things that you see with some of those isms and ologies, however, is, you know, they need some level of predictability. Sure, we're able to buffer for some uncertainty in that, but they need some level of predictability to be successful. So if you think about really eliminating that somewhat predictable behavior and all of a sudden you're in scramble mode trying to figure out how do we truly manage disruption, so one of the things during the recent pandemic that we saw with those disruptions, it was not just challenges in the supply chain. I couldn't get products from suppliers. The ports were backed up. We couldn't give product move because we didn't have logistics capacity. And oh, by the way, consumer demands and consumer choices changed, right? So that's one of the things that was very much top of mind. In fact, I think I, only, I talked about allocations probably 90% of the time yes. for about six months which was pretty interesting in how that evolved. But maybe just a quick example of one of the things that I saw that was very representative of some of the challenges and changes in supply chain, something near and dear to everybody's heart toilet paper, right? And I, I'm sure we all remember going to the grocery store or the big box retailer looking for toilet paper, but where did that really come from? And it was actually a lot more complex than just the availability of raw materials or people not being able to go to work. You may not realize, but there's actually two different supply chains associated with toilet paper. One is the consumer and one is for commercial, right? What you see in the office versus what you see at home. They actually have very different production technology. They use different raw materials and they have very different demand streams. But that shortage didn't last forever. The producers did a couple of key things. One is they looked at the idea of skew rationalization, which means from a production perspective, I didn't have to do setup changeover. Probably the bigger thing you notice is the rolls got longer, right? We got more paper on a single roll, which means I could produce more and I had more production output. And very quickly, the shortages out on the supply chain really started to disappear as those changes were made between the consumer and those commercial supply chains. What was interesting about that as well is there was a a change in the mix of B2B and B2C in those markets. So a whole lot of things came to fruition all at once back in 2019 and 2020.
2: Absolutely. And I remember distinctly, it was the surge of the toilet paper because I thankfully can mooch off of my parents' Costco card, which is huge. You know, but I remember we were limited in the amount of rules that we could, I know they come in bulk, but back then you could only buy one package or two package at most. And then it was eggs. And then it was always something where the surge is always having an effect on consumer demand and vice versa. So I remember that all too well. But, you know, we're talking about the challenges. And I think the golden question is, of course, how do we address them as well? And you dove a bit into it, but do you have any insights on what companies can and have done to navigate these challenges moving forward?
0: Yeah, I think the pandemic and disruption really exposed different industries to problems that the high-tech industry has actually faced for many, many years, right? So if you think about the high-tech industry, especially at product launch, think about Xbox, PlayStation, iPhones, right? There's always much more demand at launch than supply. There's always critical components. You can only produce so much at once with their contract manufacturers. And oh, by the way, it was a distributed supply chain where there was requirements to understand not just their co-manufacturer, but their supplier, supplier, and their supplier, supplier, supplier. So one of the things that they've been very successful in doing is one, networking, and the idea of really connecting their supply chains and understanding capabilities in its supply chain. The other is making informed decisions about allocations and how they want to use raw material and capacity. Could be that they want to think about capturing market share. So they think about maybe entering a new market or maybe they're looking to drive profitability. So they launch in Western markets before they look at their secondary and and tertiary markets. Now they've been able to do that is, is really to be able to combine and have a Clear approach of supply planning and allocations, and really that end to end integrated sales and operations planning process that says, We're going to make this much based on a constrained supply. Here's how we're going to service our customers. And they have execution systems that allow them to be able to implement that. In other words, if you set up a B2B channel, obviously you need to serve your big box retailers. As you get into B2C, do you really want Richard and Jeff to come in and buy 90% of your available products? Of course, no. So it's really about the linkage between supply chain planning and execution and being able to have that be a bi-directional process to be able to ensure the execution of that plan.
1: We've talked in the past, Jeff, and we've talked about the supply chain talent shortage and the drain of talent out of business, which means we're losing Those people with the 30-year knowledge, the institutionalized knowledge that supply chain planners have built over the years, and they're being replaced with next-generation workers, much younger workforce who expect different things. So what do you see as the needs for these next-generation planners?
0: Yeah, that takes me back for sure. I was once (laughs) the new guy. And with that, when I joined Siemens 32 years ago, I knew how mature requirements planning and and ERP work. But I didn't have the institutional knowledge to really understand how to solve problems. So I'm short a contactor or I'm short a pilot device. What do I really do other than I've got a message to expedite something? Mm -hmm. One of the first things I learned early on was you can change the inside of contactors and electrical products and change the voltage very, very easily. I had no way of knowing that. I mean, in today's world, that's an alternate bill of material. But I didn't know that I didn't have master data. I didn't have the institutional knowledge to be able to figure out how to do that. So I got a lot of help along the way from our general manager and say, why are you doing this? It's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. So, you know, one of the things that systems have to be able to do is to help bridge the gap between basic business process capabilities like MRP and procurement processes and distribution processes. And SAP actually started that journey with the original release of Best 4 HANA Enterprise Management with a new MRP cockpit back in 2015. And what that did is that actually gave a planner a set of ranked alternatives to address an MRP message. Do I expedite? Do I move from a different location? Who are the alternate suppliers that I might be able to use? And gave them some recommendation via scoring. Is this the best solution? What's the second best solution? And so forth. It was a fantastic first step, and I remember when I saw that for the first time, it was actually easy to get excited about ERP again because I was able to easily relate that back to you know, my early days at Siemens and really not having that kind of decision support to help me to be able to be successful. And certainly, it's modern technology, and you can really expose this to the newcomers who aren't now worried about, am I going to be effective? Can I do this job? when they see something like that, they know they can be successful in a new role.
2: Exactly, and I have great leaders like you both, but it can be daunting, you know, like you said, you're always gonna be the new guy in some sort of situation or new woman in this situation. But one of the biggest pieces of advice that my parents gave me as I was entering the workforce was, yes, the degree I got in college, of course, is a great foundation, but it is that institutional knowledge that you learn throughout your job that comes with age, comes with experience, but having those technologies and those tools at hand can certainly expedite that as well, which leads perfectly into my next question, because we're talking a lot about the next generation of workers from planners to manufacturers to you know, marketers like myself. And a big aspect is, of course, our consistent use of the emerging technology with AI, I'd say, now leading the way in that conversation. So in your opinion, how can technologies such as AI help?
0: There's a couple different aspects that come to mind with AI and how they help the supply chain planner specifically. You know, certainly there'll always be opportunities to make supply chain planning better, and certainly AI will help play a role in that, in the real bits and bytes. But I think the real advantage is going to be with helping to bring that institutional knowledge in a meaningful way to that planner. Mm -hmm. What that means to me is... I've had a lot of conversations, in fact, a couple over the last few weeks with some CPG companies and, and they talk about playbooks. And really what those playbooks are, are speaking to institutional knowledge in the sense of what do I do if we have these challenges that appear or if we see a metric that starts to go off the rails, you know, what do we do? I think AI will have a significant role in being able to help make those recommendations, both around risk, right, but also opportunity. And that's bringing together not just information about the internal supply chain, but it is the internal networks, the external networks, inclusion of social sentiment, even competitive information and kind of looking at demand and how demand is being shaped. What's the latest viral product on, on TikTok? All those things. Will certainly play a role in not just making the math and the solvers better, but how do you really enable a planner to make better decisions? Finding the math along with kind of that situational and institutional knowledge that that gets them to that next level.
2: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think too, starting earlier in your career, there can be those feelings of self doubt at times, you know, like, do I really know what I'm doing? It's kind of that imposter syndrome. So having that data. And having that to back you up, it's a really great feeling, you know, because then you kind of have a second layer of comfort in a sense. So I think it's a great aspect to it.
0: You know, I'd even ask you a question. Have you ever used any of the large language models to kind of go validate your own supposition, own thoughts, your own knowledge?
2: Yes, absolutely.
0: (laughs) And it's a good validation tool.
2: It's out there. Why not use it? yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So it's great. I'd say, especially just from college to now, the amount of technology that's come out. I mean, I wish I had it when I was in college. You know, I'm like, where was this four years ago? Right. But I think now being able to utilize it early in my career and then hopefully have that foundation to grow upon, I can only hope it'll help me as a professional grow as my career grows, you know?
0: Right. Right. Well, I think there was one of the things that I learned about SAP is one of the things I enjoy about being in SAP is I learned something every single day.
2: Usually an acronym.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. But I also learned that there was value in the way that you went about asking questions to traditional search engines or how you went and looked for content, both internally and, you know, SAP being such a large company and finding other customers with similar problems that are trying to address similar challenges. I think one of the things that large language models have done for me is I don't have to be quite as versed in SAP and to be able to get good business answers now. And I think we'll allow our customers to even make more effective use of SAP in the future.
1: Yeah, I think eventually you won't be limited by the queries that exist in the systems or the analytic tools that exist in the systems. Because once we work out how to ask the right questions and in the right format, I think that data will just be unleashed. You talked a little earlier about the pandemic and the increased risks and uncertainties that that brought. And we also talked about the fact that we certainly have low shortage of data in the modern supply chain. And we have technologies such as AI and IOT and machine learning, etc. So how can and will supply chain planning tools help reduce risk and, to your point, leverage opportunities forward?
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think there are two fundamental uh, processes around risk. One is just being able to gather and have an understanding of all the risk factors that are in the marketplace. We go back years ago, some of the key risk factors that companies would typically do as part of their due diligence was simple credit rating. What do their finances look like? It's obviously a lot more sophisticated today in, in the sense that there are companies, SAP partners, that do a great job of going beyond those traditional KPIs, and, and they're looking at macroeconomic indicators, likely changes to regulatory environment, and certainly geopolitical, top of mind today, but also, you know, environmental as we think about global warming and sustainability playing a role in risk as well. So I think being able to combine not just looking at all of those external factors to a company's supply chain, it's how do we contextualize that against current demand, current product offering, short to midterm new business opportunities with new products. I think as you think about that, you want to expose the risk in a variety of different ways. Certainly, you can use traditional supply chain planning output to call out risk factors. Hey, we're at 99% capacity in facility, which is on the Gulf Coast, which typically gets hit every 3.4 years by a hurricane. That's probably the risk that we would want to consider. Forecast variance and bias, those are some of the risk examples that you think about. But how do we create maybe scenarios that also are providing visibility and input as to what happened if that facility we do lose it six to eight weeks? What if we do lose a key supplier and really do that AI driven risk scenarios in the supply chain planning process so the planners can make better decisions?
2: Yeah, agreed. And I think a, a big risk, too, with the new generation of workers is of course, sustainability, which is also a really great opportunity as well, because there is such a stronger focus on it. You know, you brought that up as you were just saying. And aside from the use of the emerging technologies, I say a strong differentiator for that new generation is their sustainability efforts, like I said. So these workers, they're looking to work for ethical companies now, you know, ones that are driving sustainable practices throughout their organizations, From the products they make to the partners they collaborate with and the business processes, they drive across the full supply chain. Right. So how can supply chain planning help reduce emissions and waste and drive other sustainability initiatives?
0: Yeah, that's certainly an interesting topic. And it originally became top of mind 15 years ago, Mm -hmm. at least for me, is I thought about the metrics that we were talking about in sustainability. They really coincide almost directly with the things that we've been trying to do with supply chains for the last 30 years. And what I mean by that is we certainly have always thought about logistics costs. We want to reduce the amount of logistics costs. Well, there's a sustainability impact on emissions because of reducing the the number of miles for, for transportation. We think about not just some of the issues around like plastic and plastic tax and the impact on the environment of plastics, Well, as we think about designing products, right, I just think about McDonald's has always comes out about how we used to have styrofoam and now we've got paper-based packaging. Mm -hmm. Not only are those things from a sustainability perspective, they also produce less waste or easier to produce. And there's some recyclability to all that, right, Mm -hmm. which has also a cost advantage to that. So I think that, you know, there are direct things that the supply chains have done in terms of solutions and technology that kind of fall under the guise of efficiency. So let's take credit for those. But there are also things that we want to understand that we do want to think about a digital thread from design all the way through operate. Mm -hmm. In the sense that we want to produce products in the most favorable locations to reduce emissions, take advantage of renewable energy sources, be close to the customer. On and on and on. all those things have a significant impact in, in kind of how you think about sustainability, and it, it's really a complementary nature to the things that we've been doing with supply chain optimization for years. Jeff, we've talked about lots of
1: analogies in the last 20 minutes, and when we've talked about resiliency and sustainability and technology and the evolution of the workforce. And uh, you must be talking to companies on a daily basis. So how is SAP helping and how can SAP help moving forward with all of this evolution?
0: Certainly, it comes together in two forms. You know, one is business process improvement and the other is digital transformation. Right. And the way that we support that, you know, specifically around supply chain planning is a next generation platform called integrated business planning. What that allows an organization to do is to look both internally and externally And really being able to understand demand, our ability to support that demand, but also the ability to support that in a profitable, ethical, and sustainable way. And we integrate that with an execution system, whether it be things from allocations, directing production to certain locations, what warehouses we're going to store, along with the strategy for inventory, safety stocks, and and target inventory and then being able to manage the fulfillment, right? So that through an available to promise process, that at the time that we take and fulfill an order, it's aligned to our sales and operations plan. So that fulfilling the demand in the most profitable way to the customers that we've chosen to serve. I think that's unique in the industry, the combination of planning and execution. And oh, by the way, It's combined with the notion of risk throughout that entire process so that we're making better and better and more informed decisions as we put that supply chain in motion.
2: That's great. Happy to hear it. So we're doing big things and I'm only excited to see what greater things we can do moving forward. Jeff, believe it or not, we're already near the end of the podcast. And as both Richard and I can attest, we'd be able to probably talk for another 30 minutes (laughs) with you. So many great topics and, you know, we would absolutely love to have you back. But, you know, given the series is named The Future of Supply Chain, we ask every guest the same question, which we are both very excited to hear what your answer will be. So in a sentence or two, what is the future of supply chain from your perspective?
0: I think in my mind, the future of supply chain is continued uncertainty. And uncertainty requires the ability to consider and account for risk. And I think as we take advantage of the emerging technologies such as AI, our supply chain professionals will be better equipped to plan for probabilities rather than specific outcomes, allowing them to make more informed decisions regarding risk and the costs associated with the risk mitigation. So, in a single word, uncertainty.
1: <laughs> Which keeps us all in the job.
2: <laughs>
0: yes, that's the fun part of the job. You learn something every day.
2: Exactly. Uncertainty is certainly going to be certain, as we say.
0: (laughs) There you go. There's a great (laughs) tagline.
1: Hey, Jeff, thanks for a great conversation. It really was a masterclass in supply chain. You distilled 30 years of experience into 30 minutes, which is pretty cool. Very much a pleasure. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Please mark us as a favorite, and you can get regular updates and information about future episodes. But until next time, from Jeff, Nicole, and I, Thank you for discussing the future of supply chain.